As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis. I'm in a hotel room in Birmingham, Alabama, joined by Ari Washman, who was not in a hotel room in Birmingham, Alabama. Ari, have you ever been to Birmingham before? I have, yeah. Well, I drove through it once. I uh, drove once from um, Dallas to Houston, and I wrote a story about uh, Ohio State in Houston. I can't remember what that story was, and then I once drove back through Biloxi because I'm a gambling addict and I like wanted to see the, ca- the casinos down there and then up throughout uh, Birmingham back to Columbus. I'm excited to get uh, so I'm, f- I'm five hours from New Orleans. Just we're recording this on Thursday morning. Um, I'm excited to get into New Orleans and get those those gas stations with the random casinos attached to them. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna go in there and, and throw a few uh, few bucks on some video blackjack when you're yeah. getting some Doritos or that's what? The, that's the move. Yeah, let me get a corn dog off the roller and then put a dollar in the machine and see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, and now you have given me ultimate regret about not being on that trip with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we wanted to give you guys a, a, a bonus show of sorts uh, this week. You you heard our picks earlier in the week. Hopefully you don't hate us too much and, and you elected to tune back in to this podcast. We appreciate it. Leave us a five-star review on Apple. There is a bit of news we want to talk about and then um, some bigger picture stuff about what this game could mean depending on what happens. So let's start with the news, Ari. Uh, Clemson offensive coordinator Tony Elliott, their, their primary play caller, did not make the trip to New Orleans. He tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, as far as I know, he was the only one who was like unexpectedly not making the trip. So Clemson as a team is pretty much intact from what we can tell. 
but their primary play, play caller is not going to be at the Sugar Bowl. He'll be sitting at home watching it on TV like, like everyone listening to this for the most part. We gave our scores. I was 38-34. You were 38-31, right? Yep. Is that right? Yep. Does this idea that their play caller is not going to be there now change any of that for you? I mean, we just got done recording a, pow- uh, a podcast about Ohio State for an hour uh, saying that lack of continuity is a problem. <laughs> and mm-hmm. So, like, that would be kind of not right to act like that's not a big deal. You know, and it was funny because the first thing I thought of was the point that we made uh, on the last show about Garrett Wilson and, and Brian Hartline not being on the sideline to, to help him. So, you know, I, I don't know uh, what it's like to be in their headsets. And I, if I have to, when I pass and I go up to the heavens and I ask God three questions, I'm going to ask who called the plays in 2015 for Ohio State. <laughs> like, it's a very interesting dynamic always. But in terms of like somebody who's respected as one of the best play callers in college football, I mean, his role in calling that offense and, and understanding and having a feel for the game with, with the players that they have, um, having to replace that, you know, I, I know it's not like the end of the world because everybody on the staff is involved, but, you know, some people are just very gifted play callers, you know, and, and he's viewed as one of them and his name was um, a name that popped up through some of the coaching search stuff this year. And I know that he's a very well-respected coordinator, so... You know, the fact that he's not going to be there, I think, at least might be worth a point. Yeah. You know, I was looking to see if the spread changed. And as far as I know, as we record this on New Year's Eve, 730 in the morning, uh, it hasn't. But I I think that it has to matter at least some. This isn't just any play caller. And if you want to learn a little more about that, um, our colleague who covers Clemson, Grace Rainer, wrote a story about this. Theathletic.com slash 4-6. Get you signed up. Go read the story. Um, Tony Elliott has been Clemson's offensive coordinator since 2014, and he did it in like a co-capacity with Jeff Scott up until last season, and then Jeff Scott took the head coaching job at South Florida. So like this year was Tony Elliott's show, and and Dabo Swinney said that they he called plays sort of like in conjunction with Tony Elliott, but Tony Elliott's up in the booth calling the shots for the most part. I think Dabo was like the game manager, kind of like how Urban did it, offers his opinion, but Tony's calling the plays. Um, now they're going to put Brandon Streeter, who is not a play caller, up there. Um, CJ Spiller, the former Clemson running back, who was like a graduate assistant, is now going to be their running running backs coach. And and Dabo and Brandon Streeter are going to have to call plays for Clemson's offense. And I do think there's something to the continuity. There's a comfort level that comes with that. Um, Tony Elliott was also the running backs coach. I think maybe that's less of an issue because Travis Etienne is, is a veteran and, and I'm sure he can handle this kind of disruption. But, you know, Ohio State's defense isn't super complicated. Um, they're they're fairly static unless they try to do some different stuff in this game. But even with that, like if I guess it's a different situation with Ohio State because Ryan Day is the head coach and the play caller. But like even if Kevin look if Kevin Wilson wasn't around for this game for Ohio State, I would think that's a big deal. And I think this is a bigger deal based on the dynamic with Clemson's coaching staff and the fact that it's kind of Tony Elliott's show calling the plays. Um, I think it's worth a point or two. I'm not. I mean, I'm not going to change my score. I don't think, but I do think on some level this is like an advantage for Ohio State with Clemson's primary play caller not being there. Yeah, I mean, when you're in a situation where the person that you're losing is considered to be a potential coaching candidate at other places, mm-hmm. removing him from the equation has to mean something. It's like you can't sit back and act like, uh, oh, no big deal, the players are the ones who play, and it's like that coaching is a major, major aspect of college football, and I would say more so than – any other sport that we love to consume, you know? I mean, what? where does the coach mean more in what sport? Uh, you got amateur athletes playing a very complicated game. So uh, I, I I do think that it's an important aspect to this. I don't know that I think that Ohio State has a better 
a much better chance of winning uh, than I did the other day. But I also feel like if Tony Elliott isn't there and they call one messed up play on third down, that would have been a first down that scores a touchdown. It's the same thing as taking a touchdown off the board. And if that, I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't have to mess up the entire game plan. And we'd never know what the alternative is in, in an alternate universe where he called the plays. But if they do something out of characteristic or they call a play that Tony Elliott wouldn't have called or something happens as a result of it that ends a drive, that could be the difference in a football game like this. So, you know, I don't know exactly how much continuity there is on Clemson's play calling routine. I don't know if everybody clears the play and then they call it in or or whatever it is, but if you don't have that mind on the sideline and you don't have that relationship that he has with the players and all the things that come along with being the offensive coordinator, especially in a world where we think that Ohio State's biggest issue here is going to be trying to stop that offense, mm-hmm. I think that like as an Ohio State fan, you would have to feel like, you know, this is this is not a terrible thing. You know, this has got to be a good thing for them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Trevor Lawrence has played a ton of football. Like, I don't think he'll be phased by it. Like I said, ETN has been around. Their offensive line's young. Their their receivers are not, you know, particularly veteran players other than Amari Rogers. Um, their tight ends are too. So it's not like they have a bunch of young guys out there who are going to be like frozen and not know what to do with other coordinator. But I think more so than just like the down to down play calling and like the mechanism of all that. Like, what if Ohio State does something that Clemson's not seen before, and you got to figure out adjustments for that, and your primary play caller's not there. I think that like the, the guy who kind of runs the show is not there. I think that's when it can become a real issue. If Ohio State plays them straight up, I think it's something that Clemson has to work through. If you're Ohio State, you're you're happy that Clemson has this sort of hurdle to get over in, in a playoff game because you know Ohio State's had its own hurdles to get over just to get to this playoff game. So I think it matters a little bit, not a ton. I, I would still pick Clemson to win, but Kerry Combs goes wild and pulls out a defense we haven't seen all year or starts playing like with more two safeties and mixing his coverages more and it's stuff Clemson, Clemson's not seen a ton of on film and they got to find answers. I think the guy they turn to to find those answers isn't there and that could be a problem. Yeah, so. yeah. You know, and it's just another it's another aspect to a weird year where people are missing games and aren't, I mean, because this isn't something that happens in the regular, regular seasons. Yeah. You don't just end up like losing a random offensive coordinator, <laughs> yeah. like uh, randomly uh, your offensive coordinator, like three days before the football game. So, like, there also is like an aspect of newness to all this. And I think you could probably make the argument, um, even though Clemson had a few games canceled this year too, didn't they? Or, or they had one or changed yeah. or one that Ohio State's been impacted by the uh, uncomfortable nature of the season more so than anybody to the point where the other coach doesn't think they belong in the playoff. <laughs> so, like, I. I think it's interesting when the team that uh, hasn't been impacted as much has to deal with a nice spoonful of what it's like to have to live in that world. So, you know, it, it, to me, it's like an injury. You know, you, it's unfortunate. You know, you hope Tony Elliott's okay, obviously. Uh, but as it pertains to the football game, to act like it wouldn't happen would make everything that we said on the podcast that ran earlier this week sound stupid. So, like, of yeah. course it matters. Yeah. Okay, so that's the the news. Ohio State, um, as we record this at 7.30 in the morning Central Time on Thursday, will be arriving in New Orleans, I believe, 11.30-ish local time. Um, So they'll get there a little before me. But let's move on to a discussion you want to have to have. I I like this idea, the sort of like different directions this game can go and what it would mean for Ohio State at large. Do you want to set that up? Yeah, yeah. I was just like thinking last year when we did our – uh, Clemson, Ohio State podcast in the indoor field at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center shortly after they announced the playoff field. We spent a good 45 minutes 
like shaping the perspective of Ohio State as a program and like what this game means and what the results could mean. And, you know, we spend all year talking about it, but like now that it's here, I don't know that we did that enough. And I mm-hmm. think that it's like worth a 30 minute discussion, maybe. Yeah. Um, and it's like, where is Ohio? St- like, I mean, I guess what we're going to do is we're going to give out alternate endings to this game. Ohio State wins, Ohio State wins big, Ohio State loses, and Ohio State loses big. And we'll like kind of break down what we would view or how we would view Ohio State through the lens of the college football hierarchy as a result of those things. Um, but first of all, I just like want to know uh, your perspective, and then I'll give mine, of where is Ohio State on the, in the national hierarchy of college football programs in terms of today on December 31st, 2020, rather than January, whatever it was when they announced or played last time, like, or, yeah. or, or last December, even when we were previewing the game, like, do you think Ohio State's stature in the sport has improved or, or what? I don't know if it's improved. It's probably the same. Um, I, it's hard because I don't, I don't know how you, it depends on how you define it. Like if you're just going by championships one and, and stacking the teams that way, I think there is a separate. Clearly, there's a separation between Ohio State and Alabama, or Alabama and Clemson, and then Ohio State. I think Alabama and Clemson are very much on the same level, um, for the most part. But Ohio State recruits as good as them. Ohio State recruits better than Clemson, like facilities, prestige, all that stuff. Like Ohio State's right there with them. But I think what it comes down to is championships. So I, I do think that there is a gap between those two teams at the top and Ohio State. I don't think it's super wide, but Ohio State beat Alabama in 2014 and we thought like that was the first step in them rising to this level at the top of the sport sharing even footing with a team like Alabama and it hasn't happened Clemson is there as we mentioned a million times Clemson Clemson stole Ohio State's spot and Ohio State has not had much opportunity to like regain its footing on that level and the one time or the two times it has it got shut out by Clemson and then lost to Clemson last year in a, in a closer game that I think it should have won but I think the only way you elevate your status in that way is on the field, and and the two shots that Ohio State's had to do it, it hasn't done it. So I I still think there's a gap there between the top two and Ohio State. Yeah, and I, like the thing too is that national championships are like obviously important, but I think playoff wins are very important. Yeah, or even just appearances. I think you know, I mean, appearances are great. You know, I I think that like I think yeah, I would take it a step further because Oklahoma's made a lot of appearances yeah, and agree. they don't, you know, like yeah. I, I think that appearances are good for program stature in terms of how you recruit and like where you are in terms of like your peers and your conference. But I think when you start, when you, when you just want to start going from one of the top 10 or seven best programs in college football to one of the top three winning college football playoff games matters more than just like your ability to get there. And, like, there's only a few teams that have won, I think, more than four games in the playoff. And I think it's only Clemson and Alabama. Mm-hmm. And Ohio State has won two. Uh, and they both came in the same year. So, and that puts them in the same position as, as LSU, who did it last year and, and won it all. And the reason why I bring this up is because, like, Notre Dame, I think, has now made the playoff every bit as much as, or no, they, they've made it multiple times. Ohio State's made it now. This is their third time. But other than that, there aren't very many other programs that have or fourth time. Yeah. But Florida State made it. Uh, Washington made it. Georgia made it. Like, but for the most part, everybody else was Alabama, Clemson, and Oklahoma, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michigan State made it once, but so Ohio State, from just like an appearances standpoint, I think is already there, uh, and that's the point I'm trying to make. You know, like I, I don't know that this is something that would make me feel uh, any different about the team, and and I think that when you're a top 
three program, the expectation is to make it. And like, I don't know how you would view this, but Ohio State in this weird 6-0 and year making the college football playoff, like if the season ends today, and I guess this is a nice segue into what we're talking about, is like, was Ohio State's season a success right now? Because I don't know, I don't know how I would feel about that. Usually it's playoff or bust. So make the playoff, whatever happens in the playoff afterward is gravy. But in a year where they only played six games and have Justin Fields, I don't know if that that has been satisfied this year. Yeah, part of me wants to say this getting to this point is, is a success, and I think on some level it is. I don't know. I've thought about this a lot. Like if what if Ohio State loses on Friday, what what my reaction to that will be? Because I guess it depends on how it how it plays out. But this this year has been so weird. And I've had a hard time throughout the year sort of analyzing things in a way that I think is fair, kind of based off of just, you know, the oddness of the year, guys coming in, guys coming out, games getting canceled, that kind of stuff. Like, I, I want to give that the proper appreciation for how that can make things difficult. But at the same time, I think, like, now that we're at this point, part of me wants to just, like, wash that away and just, like, okay, Ohio State's back on the stage. It's intact for the most part. I know they've only played six games, but here they are. They're on a field with Clemson. What can you do when you get on the field with Clemson? So um, I don't think in terms of like program trajectory or like this kind of conversation, like hierarchy of of college football teams, I don't think you can consider this season like a smashing success or whatever unless they finally win a playoff game for the first time in six years. Like that's the thing. Like 2014 was six years ago. That's a long time. <laughs> it's like they won two games. Like, okay. But it was like almost a decade ago. Yeah. I did a, uh, yeah, what's well, crazy. I watched the uh, 2020 or 2002 national championship game that was on ESPN Classic while I was writing last night. And boy, that game was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't. But like that was 20 years ago. But the last time, Ohio, or oh, what was it? What's 2002 to 2020? 18 years. 18 years. And like Ohio State is like almost ha- it's like double the amount like of how far away we are from their nat- last playoff win mm-hmm. or a little bit more than double so or less than double sorry but like i'm thinking like every year that goes by like this is becoming more and more ancient history like that's not the recent past anymore like 6 years in college football to me is an eternity yeah it's like 6 years what are aren't we like 7 years removed from a florida state national championship and like now their program is on fire yeah like i mean it, it they're not getting it, any credit is, for that. <laughs> this, this is a what have you done for me lately sport. And, like, I guess this being their fourth playoff appearance, 2020, uh, 2014, obviously, or the 2014 season, they made 2016. And, you know, they're, they're here consistently. But I think that, you know, we're starting to creep back into that weird world. And we are there right now where people are skeptical about Ohio State's ability to compete on the highest level, and that's like kind of a feeling that Ohio State hasn't had uh, since the the 2000s when Trestle was around, where it's like beat, yeah. win the Big Ten and then get blown off by the SEC. You know, that used to be a thing. And granted, Ohio State did everything in their power to win the football game last year, but let's just start with the first scenario here. How do you view Ohio State if they get blown out by Clemson on, on Friday? Uh, step back. I think because you'd be getting you'd be getting blown out and then like losing a lot and having to retool a little bit the following year like not not like set the program back years but I, it did feel like the transition to Ryan from Urban Meyer to Ryan Day went so smoothly 
They were really good last year. They played a game in the playoff game they should have won. Like, it feels like it's on the uptick a little bit, especially when you look at the recruiting. And then if you get on the field with Clemson and then get run off the field, um, you lose all of that, I think. It's when like, we, yeah. When we left the stadium last year, even though Ohio State lost, and I remember, do you remember walking out the concourse with me talking about it? I don't. I have a bad memory. You don't remember that? I remember walking out with you, but I don't remember what we, what we talked about. Oh, I remember like talking, trying to put it in perspective with you. Uh, and we were walking out of the tunnel, and that was one of the more profound moments of our friendship, I thought, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> I thought to myself, and this, I remember the story that I wrote, um, that Ohio State, despite the crushing loss, was in the healthiest place it had been since 2014. Mm-hmm. You know, and even... Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The 2015 team that was amazing, that didn't reach its potential. The 2016 team that didn't belong, uh, but got crushed. Like 2019, like in the middle of the fourth quarter of the 2019 season last year uh, of the of the Fiesta Bowl, Ohio State was in a better position as a program than it ever was since 2014. And I thought that was a terrible loss. It, it sucks if you're an Ohio State fan. It's got to be painful. But... As you sit here right now, you have one of the greatest recruiting classes in history in the beginning process of, of being assembled. Um, you have Justin Fields coming back for another year. Um, uh, and before you could like comprehend pandemic, like it's like this team is going to be right back here in a year, and they're going to do exactly what they did the year before, and they might have a chance to win a national championship in 2020. Yeah. And like all those things are true. It's just has manifested in such a weird way as a result of the pandemic. Um, but if they were to get blown out, I don't know that they would take a step back in program stature because you can't do anything to erase the class it just signed. Right. <laughs> uh, and that's like an important part of, of building the future of this program. But I think in terms of public perception, Ohio State might be starting to creep back into the uh, weird 2007-ish year feeling by the rest of the country where it's like they're this big-time program, this big-time uh, team that everybody loves, but... I'm not sure they can get it done on the national stage because they will have lost to that. They would have lost every playoff game that they have played since, which would have been three, and they'd keep losing to the team that they're supposed to be comparing to that we spent a lot of time comparing to. So, like a blowout loss, I think would be pretty crippling for a uh, national perspective. And the thing too is, like, I don't think that people remember that Ohio State basically won the game last year. Yeah, I think people just remember that they lost to Clemson and that this is just like Clemson owns them, and rightfully so because Clemson kind of owns them right now. But if they get blown out, like the entire viewpoint of Justin Fields is gone, retooling the roster, uh, new quarterback next year, 
have like I don't know. Like I, I still think Ohio State is going to make the playoff in twenty twenty one without even knowing who their quarterback is or what it's going to look like. But I think that would be like a very big blow to the program, like in terms of national perception. Um, with the the stuff we kind of started with, like the the, the tier stuff, whatever you want to call it. Like I think we, my perspective is that Alabama and Ohio State or Alabama and Clemson are by themselves at the top. But I also think that the next tier is just Ohio State. And then there's like a soup below that of like the Georgias and Oklahomas of the world, like good teams that I don't think anybody expects to win a national title. I think Ohio State's a step above that. Um, but if they got blown off, blown off the field in this game, I think they might fall back to the soup, if that makes sense. I watch. Yeah, it's like funny to me because I watch uh, or listen to a lot of college football podcasts. And when I'm listening to these podcasts, whether they're, you know, people from the athletic or people outside of the athletic, um, I've noticed in the last few weeks as we've been gearing up toward the playoff that people are discussing Alabama and Clemson in their own category and Ohio State is not a part of that. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but that's just kind of like where things feel right now, where Mm -hmm. it's like you have the two big dogs of the sport and then everybody else. And I'm wondering, I think that Ohio State is closer to Clemson than they are to Oklahoma or closer to Clemson than they are to Georgia. But if Ohio State gets blown out, and then I guess this is the nice transition into the next question is what if they lose another close game like they did last year? I wonder if the fan perception and the perception from our colleagues is going to be that Ohio State is in the Oklahoma-Georgia group. I think if they lose, no matter what it looks like, I think that might happen. I don't know if I feel that way. It would depend on how they lose. Um, if they're if it's another feeling like, man, they had that game where they gave it away, I think that's one thing. If, if they just can't quite keep up and they lose by 7-10, to 10, I think that's a different thing. Um, I would still feel pretty good about the trajectory of the program if they were to lose a close game, I think maybe in any fashion. It would still suck for a lot of reasons. Obviously, it would suck to lose that game, but it would still leave you wondering a lot about what's to come next because, like, you didn't win a title with Justin Fields. You didn't win a title with your 2017 recruiting class. Your 2018 recruiting class has one more year left after this. Like, you're going to win a title with that group. So there's a lot of things to sort through with a loss. But if it's close, I don't think it's it's the kind of loss that, that knocks Ohio State sort of off its own tier where I view it right now. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. Um, I think a close loss where they lose between 7 and 10 and losing a heartbreaker are kind of the same. It's like, you know, you lose, you lose, and, you know, because I, I think the two, if, if let's just say that something like 2019 happens all over again, or, or the, the last year's Fiesta Bowl happens all over again, Ohio State gets out to an early lead, uh, and then Clemson comes back, some weird calls happen, some pivotal moments that if they would have bounced the other way, somebody slips, whatever, and Ohio State loses it again, I think that the the idea of they couldn't get it done or they can't get over the hump is still something that exists. Whether or not it's, you know, their fault of their own. Like, I, I would argue that Ohio State showed it got over the hump last year. But until you win the football game, regardless, you can scream for the next 365 days about how the ref screwed you or see snarky tweets from fan sites about how uh, last year's uh, T. Higgins was a catch. And, you know, I mean, it's stuff that you read about and hear about all the time. Um but until you actually do it, regardless of circumstance, you don't get to absorb the credit of doing it. Yeah. So it's like the thing that sucks about Ohio State's result last year was that they achieved what we thought that they could. It's just that the result of the game didn't reflect that. 
And so if that happens once, it sucks. You're always going to remember how terrible that was. It's something that you'll remember for the rest of your life. If it happens again, then you are in a world where it's like, why can't this team beat Clemson? And then that is still the same feeling that you will have if they lose by 7-10. to 10. So I think there's like a 31-0 2016 territory, and then I kind of lump the other two together when we're talking about like program trajectory. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think, yeah, I guess if you if you lose... I, I suppose, or, or sorry, if you win, if you lose close, it doesn't. I don't think it really matters. How yeah, it, yeah, it's like, like it, how it, you lost. I don't. I don't know that. Like Ohio State fans view um, last year's game as like they got hosed and Ohio State was the better team. And all the the, the tweet that I tweeted in the middle of the uh, national championship game last year that people make fun of me for a year later, especially my colleagues. <laughs> but like for a minute there, like we all felt that. But it doesn't it doesn't change what happened, and now everybody only remembers Ohio State lost to Clemson one more time, and LSU won the national championship. I think Ohio State fans are the only ones that hold on to the Sean Wade stuff or the or the T Higgins thing. Yeah, like, for I don't sure. think yeah. I, like so. Like that's that's the thing we're talking about national uh, per, per perception right now, and I don't know that any of that uh, changes based on circumstance of the game, unless it's we're talking thirty-one nothing or. 21-17, it's the same thing to me. Yeah, uh, I think the hard, like, the hard thing, people hold on to it. Like, I think Ohio State was better than Clemson last year. And I think we came out of the game saying that. Like Ohio, I mean, like, the more I watch that game, I, I Yeah, I the more I watch that, that game, the more it's, <laughs> it's clear to me that Ohio State was the best team in the country. Um, but Ohio State was better than Clemson last year, and I do think there is a segment of the Ohio State fan base, and I think people in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center who think they would have given LSU a better game than Clemson did last year. Like they were built to give Clemson a better game or LSU a better game than Clemson. Yeah, it's like funny because like football is matchups too. It's like you might not have beaten Clemson, but it doesn't mean that you don't match up better with Alabama. Yeah. Although that's so, probably not the case this year. Yeah. So like I, I think <laughs> that we can go on to the next scenario here um, in terms of program stature. And I don't know if I make a distinction between Ohio State blowout win and Ohio State just win. Maybe blowout win would be a bigger statement, but let's just start with win. Like, if Ohio State wins the type of game that they lost last year. Yeah, I don't think I make much of a distinction either, other than, like, a blowout would be super cathartic for everybody who hates Clemson. I think that would feel really good for a lot of people. But I I think winning is winning in this scenario um, because it's not like... If it were a, if it were a blowout and you're like, holy shit, look how good this team is. Like, we didn't realize... Like, like 2014, like, we didn't realize how good this team was. They're about to go win the national title. But like that 2014 team was also going to bring everybody back the next year. And this team's not going to do that. So um, it could feel good if it was a blowout and and make this team perhaps like it would put this team in the conversation for best Ohio State team ever if they blow out Clemson and go and win a national title. But I think it's more about just winning sort of whatever it looks like. So if they win a game like it looked last year, I mean, it's, it's, it's huge, obviously, for the vacuum of, of this playoff and getting the national championship but Ryan Day showing an ability to win a game of that level I think is, is huge for him um, it's huge for, for Justin Fields I think who you know is trying to improve his standing in the eyes of some NFL folks like it's, it's big for a lot of reasons but with the program I think if you beat Clemson in a semifinal I don't think you suddenly like elevate yourself to the same level as Clemson because Clemson's body of work over the last four or five years is still stronger than yours uh, but if you beat Clemson and go to win a national title, I think you're pulling yourself up a little bit for sure. I think beating Clemson evens the playing field. I think that's all it takes. I don't think so. I don't think that's true. One time? Yeah. I, do. I don't think that's true. 
in terms of national perception, I'm not saying that their program has accomplished. Yeah, as much no, as that's was. a good point. Like, I think if I Ohio think State beats Clemson, point. you're going to have a very different tone on mm-hmm. podcasts and Twitter for the next 365 days yeah. than currently exists right now. Yeah. So, that's, like, that's I I think that if Ohio State beats Clemson, that means that they play for a national championship, and obviously the focus will turn to can they win it all. But I think that that would be a resounding success of a season if they win and only win one more game this year yeah i do there is like a there's there's like an air of inevitability i think now when ohio state and clemson get on the field it's just like everyone thinks clemson's gonna win (laughs) because clemson has their number so if ohio state can show themselves capable of beating clemson i think you're right i do think that changes the tone yeah you know and it's like also we just got done talking about how this is a what have you done for me lately sport and it's just like the only thing that people remember is what happened last year a lot of times, unless there's a situation where you've lost to the team multiple times. But if Ohio State goes to what are they? What would they be? One and three against Clemson since 2013. If this happens, mm-hmm. um, nobody cares about the Orange Bowl. No, 2016 is ancient history, and like last year was the one of the best playoff games in the history of the playoff. So uh, then you win this game, and it's just like the last two years of your 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 you're head-to-head the last two matchups with that team. You won one, and you lost one in a heartbreaker. You guys are recruiting the same players now, and uh, there's a lot of salt going into the football game. I think that I would view them on very even playing field, Um, especially considering the fact that now both programs would have to move on from their their generational talent at quarterback, and it's just like which team do you think is more built in the next three or four years to – keep duplicating this like if i had to buy stock in one team right now for the next four years i don't know if that's an easy answer like if you were just like is pretty good no i know he is (laughs) i know but i'm talking about roster makeup like clemson's class last year was the best class in the last 10 years that they or the last 10 years that they've signed and they finished number three and like ohio state doesn't have uh on their team I get that, but like Ohio State's recruiting classes are considerably better than Clemson's were the last three years. And it's just like if you had to buy stock from, but going into the game, somebody uh, puts you in the corner and says, I'm not letting you out of this room until you pick this. You get Ohio State seasons for the next four years and you get Clemson seasons for the next four years. Which one are you investing in? Who do you take right now as you sit here? I mean, I would just base it all off of recruiting talent and pick Ohio State. So this is a pretty pivotal juncture because I think at this point right now, if Ohio State gets this win on Friday and then has the recruiting classes coming in to match that, it's like this could be a pivotal intersection in the college football hierarchy. And I'm not saying that like Ohio State is trying to get into that hierarchy and if Ohio State beats Clemson, Clemson doesn't drop out of it. But I think with one win, Ohio State joins the three teams at the top or it becomes one of the three teams at the top instead of in their own weird island that you have them on. Yeah, I think that's true. I like yeah, Clemson Clemson doesn't disappear if if Clemson loses. Like they're they have I think they very much have have staying power. Um because like we've said a million times, we're only just now recruiting like a program that's one multiple national titles in the last four years should. Um, but Ohio State's recruiting classes are better. And I do, I think I do believe in Ryan Day um, sort of long-term and in his ability to win national championships here. So I, I think, I, I, I don't know. I, I would hesitate putting, like if Ohio State beats Clemson and loses to Alabama, I don't know if I can get there by putting all three on the same level. 
And that uh, might also like help Alabama just go back to its own tier. Yeah, I guess it could. Um, I, I could be close. I could be close. And I guess it depends on what the win over Clemson looks like and how the game against Alabama would go. But like right now, if you just said like Ohio State beats Clemson, point blank period does Ohio State get elevated to that upper level with Alabama and Clemson I'm not I'm not an automatic yes blowout of Clemson I might be a yes for a blowout like if they get because this is not Ohio State's worse than it was last year um and I think like in terms of how we feel about the talent on the roster understanding that Justin Fields is, is an incredible quarterback and unlike most quarterbacks we've seen at Ohio State just sort of the general vibe for the overall talent on the roster. This is like the third best team, fourth best team, like uh, of the of this era spanning Urban and Ryan Day. Like fourteen and fifteen and nineteen are all better. Is there any other team that's better that you consider better than this team from a talent standpoint? Fourteen, fifteen, nineteen. I think this would be the fourth best. Fourth. Team. So it's like yeah. this is not. This is a really good Ohio State team. We've I think seen- it's possible, not to interrupt you, but I think it's possible that with more context to this season, maybe more games or something, sure. we might put we might put this team a little bit higher on that list. Yeah, absolutely. Like 14's like- number one because of the talent they had and the fact that they won it, it has to mean something. But like, I'm not 100% sure that I think that 15 is better than last year. Oh yeah, no, neither am I. I I actually think if you if you weren't using championships like as the trump card, I would pick last year's team as the best team. But I think that yeah, I think that that is. I agree with that. Um, I don't know if it's recency bias because that fourteen team was ridiculous. Yeah, and like it's like funny because I and I was thinking about this last. So as I said, I watched the two thousand two national championship game again on ESPN Classic. That team was freaking awesome. The O2 team? Yeah. Yeah. They were and like, they were awesome. And I sometimes think that for every year that goes by, we always tend to forget maybe 2% how awesome that team was. And I don't want that to happen to 14 because that team was awesome. <laughs> yeah, and they were playing. They dominated a playoff. Like I don't know that that's ever has anybody dominated a playoff. I guess LSU dominated the playoff last year. Yeah, but they they were a ultra talented team that didn't even flinch. Like I have a hard time. Like even if it's not the trump card, I think pure talent is one thing, but how you play the game is another. And the way that Ohio State played at the end of the 14 season, I don't know that Ohio State's had a three-game stretch that impressive in the time since. Yeah, Even I guess you could separate team. best team and most talented. I think last year they might have had more raw talent. I think 15 four- was most talented and the worst team. Yeah, but 14 was the best team. Like, it all came together. Which is crazy because the 15 team was made up of a lot of the same players. But, you know, things yeah. change when you win a national championship and you're closer to the NFL. Yeah. And Tim Beck's your quarterback's coach. So, yeah. what are you going to do? Anyway, yeah, my, do? My, my reason for steering us into that conversation was like this Ohio State team as we assess it right now anyway is probably like a like just a tick below I think what we know Ohio State can be in terms of like fully formed monster team um but if they went out there and kicked Clemson's ass um that would I mean it would it would totally change the perception of what we think of this team but and to do it with with a some on some level a lesser form of Ohio State talent 
um, knowing what they have coming down the pike and the way this program's recruiting right now. I mean, I mean if, you, if you run Clemson off the field, it'd be like, holy shit, look out. Here they come. Yeah. I still don't know that I'd pick them to beat Bama, but, you know, I think that if they beat, if they blew Clemson out, that would change the entire perception of the national title game. And I think with Ohio State, people, people would pick them. Some people might pick them to win mm-hmm. the game. Because as, as we get closer to the game, it's like everybody's like Alabama's just going to walk to the national title. And I think if either one of these two teams wins in blowout fashion, that makes it a little bit harder for Bama. So, you know, but I, I think that Ohio State as a as a blowout win over Clemson puts themselves in a position to be considered um, unequivocally part of that top tier. Have so, you seen, I think, uh, have you seen uh, hypothetical spreads for Alabama-Clemson, if that's what the title game is? I haven't seen them. I, I think that, like, um, Alabama would be a touchdown favorite um, over Clemson, and I think, like, a, an 11-point favorite I think it was over 11. Ohio State. Yeah, yeah I saw yeah. the 11 for Ohio State. I can't remember what the yeah. Clemson one was. Yeah. I, I think that like they were six against uh, Clemson and eleven against Ohio State. If they uh, just to backtrack, uh, like if they if they lose, no matter what it looks like, if they just if they lose on on Friday, does it do anything to change your opinion on like Ryan Day moving forward? I mean, it depends on how they lose. Like if they looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events. We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Here's the thing, like when Ryan Day, like somebody tweeted this at me the other day, and it's like, I've thought about it. Yeah, so when you do tweet at me, I do look and I do think about it. Um, Somebody said, this is Ryan Day's first must win to me. And that didn't really make sense at first to me, because I was just like, yeah, I'm sure that the Maryland game that they played last year wasn't a must win. Imagine him losing that one. Yeah, right. (laughs) Also, winning a playoff game isn't a must-win. It's like the Michigan games are must-wins or Big Ten championships. Like, I, I don't yeah. think that beating Clemson's a must-win or, like, we does must-win mean, like, or he's in trouble? Like, is that what that – is that the rest of the sentence of must-win or is what? What's the or on a must-win? Yeah, I think that's the implication, must-win or your seats yeah, are – Yeah, I was like, you're, it's like, you're freaking crazy. Second, Just a second-year head coach is taking his team to the playoff, both your seat does not get hot. Yeah, and it's lost one game. total game <laughs> is, is on the hot seat if they if he, in his two losses are to Clemson. Okay, right. that's the thought process. But the thing that I think about – what made me th- – I didn't think about the profound nature of the statement because it was so asinine, but I did think – it's like happening to Ryan. Like at first year, like this was the way it was with Urban too. The first year he was at Ohio State in 2012, they went undefeated and he was like walking on water. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then the, the second year, 
they ran the table and then lost to Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship game. And then, like, once they lost to Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship game, everybody loved Urban. But, like, also, like, remember what it was like in 14 when they lost to Virginia Tech, like, two games later? They they lost to Michigan State, and they lost to Clemson. And then they lost the second game of the season of the four. They lost three out of four games at one point. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Like, he lost three of his seven, his nine total losses in, like, a four-game stretch early on in his career. And then everybody was like, oh, my God, this guy's lost it. And it's like, oh, he sucks. And it's like... <laughs> We're getting into the world now after the Big Ten champ, like because like nothing that Ryan Day could do or did was wrong last year because everything went so smoothingly perfect. And even his one loss was like a crushing loss where it's like, is that really the coach's fault? But like now that we're like two games or two weeks removed from the Big Ten championship game where he called a, gra- a bad game, I think we're starting to get into the mode where fans are comfortable criticizing him. They're definitely because, like, they, criticizing him. That's yeah, because yeah. like, they 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 know. I didn't read one criticism of Ryan Day for an entire year from anybody. Like it would have been irrational. And like now we're getting to the point where it's like, how does that change your perce- perception of Ryan Day? Well, a year ago, Ryan Day was like this evil genius who was like the Sean McVay of college football, and then like now Sean McVay is like criticizing the NFL. Like it, oh, every but oh, a wise man once told me it all comes back around in the morning, yeah, <laughs> and right. uh, it, it it does and. If, if Ryan Day calls a game that sucks or his team doesn't seem prepared, I'm not going to be like, this guy's not the guy for the job or, like, get drastic about it. But, like, it does make you think that, like, my perception of Ohio State football was Ryan Day was always a trump card. Like, they have Ryan Day. Things are going to be, like, a fine. He's going to he's a competitive dude. He's fiery, and he's going to draw up a game plan that puts him in a position to win. And... I don't know if they lose this game if that feeling fades. And so when you ask, can will your feelings of Ryan Day change? In terms of a, of the CEO of the program, no. Uh, but in terms of like being this evil genius game day players coach mastermind that can do no wrong on Saturdays, I think it would change. You yeah. know, but I think that that's healthy. It has to change because it can't be the thing that he was. Coaches lose games everywhere, and things go bad everywhere, and you can't be perfect everywhere and like last year it's like it's like the wrong foot to start off on almost like being perfect from the beginning because like then any single bat like it's like it was shocking to me that we're talking about his play calling ability after Northwestern it was the first time I think it was the first time on this podcast or the first time in his entire Ohio State tenure where I was critical of him yeah I think maybe for me too um people were a little critical of his Penn State plan last year and i and i wasn't um oh that's right yeah um, i was but there was yeah you were there there was up until that game like he was like infallible um and i think after that game he kind of regained that as they went to the playoff and i don't know how people feel about last year's game but i actually thought he called a really good game last year and they're i don't know they're two jk dobbins drops and like some dudes slipping on the field away from winning that playoff game or that weird Fumble that was a fumble that wasn't called a fumble. I'm sorry, not to relive it. Yeah, there's eight things that could have changed. They could have won the game. Um, I don't think anybody. Yeah, they didn't lose. I don't think they lost last year because of Ryan Day. Um, I I thought he put them in in some pretty good spots, especially early. Like they were they were up sixteen nothing. It should have been like twenty eight nothing, or twenty four nothing at least. Um, So I think I said it before. Like I I I have faith that they're going to have a pretty good plan um, in this game. But if they don't, if it looks like if the if the strategy is puzzling or i mean if they don't look ready that's one thing i don't think ohio state has 
come out like looking unprepared really ever under Ryan Day. I, I wouldn't even categorize Northwestern as that. Um, so if that happens, that's one thing. But if, if the strategy is the same and you're just sitting there like scratching your head wondering what the hell this guy's thinking as, as the game is progressing, um, yeah, the shine the shine comes off for sure. Um, but it doesn't put him on a hot seat. Like, I don't know. It must, must win or must win hot or else. Seat, we're yeah. so far removed from hot seat. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I mean, like, he would have to lose two or three games for the next two years or three years for yeah. people to even consider it. Like, yeah. I don't – like, that's that's not the point of this. But the point of it is, like, how do you do you change – like, Ryan Day – it's funny. Like, I saw a Dan Wolken column on Twitter yesterday, and I didn't read it yet, but I saw the headline. What happened to Dabo Sweeney? Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Where he used – I think, like – I'm going to go find it. But, like, he said uh, in the tweet – Dabo used to be one of the most beloved uh, coaches in college football six years ago, and now he's turned into one of the most polarizing figures. And it's like, what happened to Dabo, Dan? He won. He won <laughs> a lot, <laughs> and he deserves to be this way. Um, and now he's college football's most polarizing figure. And it's just like I, as we continue to discuss Ryan Day and like how this might change my viewpoint of him. I'm so fascinated by who he's going to be in five years if they win. Yeah. I think I like know. this is a this could be a critical intersection of Ohio. If I guess this is true every year, and you tell me if I'm going too far. And I guess last year we made the same case because it was a big game back then. But it feels to me that this could be like a program-changing game if they win. Like it's a critical intersection between good – or great and elite, maybe. Or great and best. Um, and, like, I think Ohio State's one win away from him, like, doing the Tom Herman horns sideline dance or ripping off their shoulder plaids for an 11-0 t-shirt underneath or, you know, saying there, things. He's already if, talking, throwing if, shade about place call stealing. Like, I feel like we're, like, on the cusp of, like, finally meeting Ryan Day. Like, not us meeting him, but everybody else meeting, meeting him. him. It's just, yeah. like, like, what what this program would be like Ryan day could be the most polarizing figure in college football in four years. We don't know that. Yeah. Like, are we at that point in the cusp of like what his trajectory is as a coach in person is going to be based on whether or not he can beat Clemson. Like this is a big freaking game. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, no, yeah, I think, I think, I think this is, this is that I think, I think those stakes are real or I'm, I guess you want to call them stakes. I don't know if they're really stakes, but, but I think that's circumstance that, circumstances. That's, that's a play here for sure. Um, they're definitely, if they win, they're definitely going to lift up their jerseys with shirts underneath it that say number 11 on them. Like that, I bet my mortgage payment on that. Yeah, I mean. There's going to be some I think, reference I think we to can, being number 11. I think we can all agree that a coach's perception or perspective, or your perspective of a coach can change immediately, especially after Dan Mullen threw his entire team under the bus after the Cotton Bowl on, on Wednesday night. Like, it's like. Ryan Day, I, I always like. Anyone in the media? Well, I shouldn't say that. There are people in the media who do know coaches quite well. Um, like we're not we're not friends with Ryan Day, but I think you and I both have enough of a read on him to know that he is perfectly capable of getting up on that podium after the Sugar Bowl and Ohio, if Ohio State wins and saying something like "not bad for the number eleven team in the country" or something like that. Like he's going to own that shit. And what yeah. he does, like I don't know if that's the kind of thing that makes him polarizing. That might actually make him endearing <laughs> to some people because I think people really dislike Dabo. Um, but I, think yeah, I mean, I guess like being the, the being the guy who talks crap to the polarizing figure makes you the hero, not a polarizing yeah, figure. But right. 
also like yeah um I wanted to go on a rant about how dumb that is. The, the, the ranking, or like, I want him to go on a rant about like anybody who thinks this team didn't belong doesn't have eyes, or you know, somebody who says something that makes the sport more fun. And he kind of started doing it. Like, I I don't know if the sign ceiling thing is shade because like propping up Clemson or making fun of Clemson for being smarter than them doesn't seem like a thing to do. Yeah. Like you stole our signs and beat us. Oh my God. Look at you assholes. <laughs> like it's like, what? <laughs> but I feel like we're on the cusp of that. And I don't know if Ohio state loses to Clemson, if we're going to go into the turtle shell for another year, because eventually it's going to happen. And I guess these stakes are going to be real. Like in, if they lose to Clemson and then they are playing Alabama in the playoff a year from now, then like, we'll be saying some of the same stuff. And I think it only matters like once they get over that hump, but like, also, too, in that video that Demario leaked, he looked like super real to me. Like that wasn't like raw raw bullshit. I thought he sounded I, awkward I, dropping the f bomb. I to me, I looked at it and thought that guy is is like being like legit fired up. Like no, that's who he is. Like that. That's, yeah, that's what he like. I think you talk to enough people who know him and and talk to him off the record enough. Like that's who he is. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just a matter of him. It is interesting. I, like he's he's savvy enough to know what showing that publicly would mean. Um, but I don't think he's like hesitant. I don't think he's automatically like averse to ever doing it. But you also, like, I also think like, you part like, of you his appeal you can't, you can't be that way until you win. Like you can't like yeah. you can't you can't just like declare yourself the man until you actually prove it. But I also it. think part of his appeal as a coach and a recruiter like is that he's like Mr. Even Keel. I think Urban Meyer is one of the best coaches of all time. When I've been in the same room as him or had one-on-one interviews with him, it always felt like I was sitting beneath him. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that that's because of him. Maybe that was an RE complex. But he was always this larger than life figure. Did you call him uh, Meyer or Coach Meyer? Or I called him Doback. <laughs> no, but the point I'm trying to make is when you sit down with Ryan, and maybe part of the reason why is because Ryan isn't famous, famous yet. Yeah, he looks you in the eye, calls you your name. He's personable. Like he, he's like a legit dude. Like I like Ryan as a person. Yeah. Not that I don't like Urban. I don't don't take it the no, wrong way. Urban's just very Urban was life. established and he's yeah. a larger than life figure and he was always so nice to me and answered my questions and was warm. I'm not saying that he wasn't a great guy. But Ryan is like more on like eye to eye level with you than Urban would be based on stature and like who they are. Mm-hmm. And like I think that as he recruits these players to this juggernaut, I think that the family members and players feel comfortable playing for him and part of the reason why the recruiting results are what they are is because I think it's easy to want to play for the current Ryan. Yeah. So I'm very curious that if Ryan ever takes a step into polarizing land with Dabo, if that would be an interesting dynamic that carries over into who he is, you know? So I I didn't want to turn this into a psychology lesson. You know, Urban got a psychology degree. I did. Uh, Sam Hubbard played (laughs) the cross too. (laughs) Uh but I, I think that this is a very interesting dynamic, not just like from who's going to win the football game or can Ohio State get to their number one self or all this stuff. But like I always am fascinated 
And my X's and O's version of covering the sport is like talking about hierarchy and yeah. bigger picture stuff. And like, I think that this is an important podcast to have. So I'm happy you did it with me. I think it's good that we have these conversations because you're more in tune with this kind of stuff than I am. I think I'm more in tune with the, the football things or more comfortable swimming in those waters, I think. Um, so you get both. I think people got both this week with, with the podcast we did. At least I hope, hope they feel like they did with the podcast and the stories. I have two big ass film studies up on the athletic. If you want to read them, um, before the game on Friday, theathletic.com slash four dash six. Go ahead and sign them up. Or my editor, Mitch Light, turned that five fifty five hundred word monster into two stories because he uh, wants to help you guys out and keep you sane. So you don't have to sit down and read five thousand words in one sitting. So that's there. Ari's got a recruiting story with Grace Rayner that's up. You can read that. Um, myself and Grace are going to do a live Q and A on Friday morning. Uh, I think it's at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Friday morning, talking about the game, too. So if you're subscribed to The Athletic, you can go check that out as well. Ohio State and Clemson, Friday night, super late in the Sugar Bowl. And then we'll see what happens afterwards. Thanks for listening.